Okay, Ohio, are you on? I am. I am on the street to salvation. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I am on the rickshaw to regeneration. So <laughs> Well done. <laughs> I just ad-libbed that. I know it's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, as so. clever as it was. <laughs> So, so yes, so geocaching scripture, here we are, season four. Again, geocaching is this, this uh, weird hobby of finding these little treasures that sort of uh, bring a little life back into something that might be familiar. And, and we're trying to do that with scripture, trying to go treasure hunting through there. And I'm here with my good friend and former cult member, Rick Schallenberger. <laughs> 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 I hate to I'm introduce you that way. <laughs> former, please. Former being yes. the strong word in there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, Rick, have you have you ever walked into a place where you like heard the record scratch? You were like, "I am not supposed to be here." Like everyone looks at you, and you were in exactly the wrong place at the wrong time. I think of like the spaghetti westerns, where the guy would step into the bar. And it would be, you know, yeah, yeah. You ain't from around here, are you, boy? <laughs> so, so, um, yes, uh, a few times. One in particular sticks to mind. Um, I'm in uh, Bangladesh with a friend of mine in a little town of Barisal, and uh, we've been traveling all day long. And we just thought we we're going to go out and get an adult beverage, and uh, so we took this uh, rickshaw. And we, we, somebody told us the name of a bar. And so the rich shot of righteousness. This, yeah. 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 <laughs> Down to this uh, bar. We couldn't find it. And, and we kept asking people that was on the third floor of this complex. So we walked in, walked up to a little bar there and asked for two drinks. And he pulls out two bottles. And we went, oh, no. First of all, he looks to the side at somebody who gestures. And then he pulls out two bottles. And we said, mm. no, no, two, just two drinks. So he looks to the side again, this guy gestures, and so they give us two drinks. And so we go sit down at the table, and they bring us some snacks, and we looked around. We realized we were in a private club, and and, and here we are. I mean, my friend was uh, Sri Lankan, so he looks, you know, he at least like he's got supposed the skin to be tone. There. Yeah. 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 Um, me, I obviously did not belong there. <laughs> <laughs> and. I mean, these people were so gracious, Josh. They gave us the drinks, and, and uh, we paid for them. And I don't know who determined what the cost was, but it's like, oh, my word, talk about being in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we get back to our hotel, and, and I'm thinking, the whole time I'm thinking, it's okay, because I'm with my friend Mohan, who is Sri Lankan, and, you know, he knows the culture and all this. Yeah. We get back to the, our hotel, and he goes, oh, my word, that was frightening. And I'm like, what? <laughs> You are my protector. <laughs> You're not supposed to be scared. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So yes. Yes. I you, understand. You, <laughs> you you understand that. Holy cow, do you understand that? Absolutely. And I had I had an example, but I don't think I'm gonna share it because it <laughs> it pales in I'll I'll share it anyway. Um <laughs> so good, good. Um yeah, my uh my son and I have recently fairly recently taken up fishing uh, as a hobby because we live in Wisconsin and that is something everybody does. 
Um, and I went into this, um, and if you don't live in Wisconsin, it'll sound weird, but it was a bar slash bait shop. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, it was called The Quiver in Minnow. And I went in, <laughs> and I had at least put my Cabela's hat on. I was like, this will be good. I'll put a Cabela's hat on. I'll be fine. And I went in and holy. Tell them that I'm a natural. Oh. <laughs> yeah. All these big shouldered guys in flannel shirts and everything. It all just stops and looks at this guy. And I said, I'm looking for some kind of bait. And, you know, what does that mean? You know, there's like there's yeah. 45 different kinds of fish bait, you know, and these guys know it all. And they said, what kind are you looking for? And I said, worms. <laughs> and they said, uh-huh, okay. How many do you want? Twelve? <laughs> and they said, you want a dozen crawlers? And I was like, that's uh, those. <laughs> and the guy came back from the, the bait fridge and he goes, mine are all dead. Go to the gas station. <laughs> 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 well, I thought, hmm, I think this will be my last time at the Quiver in Minnow. <laughs> yeah, 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 you, you were, uh, you were not one of them. <laughs> I was not, yes. I mean, start with the fact that I said bait and I thought they would know worms for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. You know. Yeah, <laughs> not grubs or flies or... Minnows or, or whatever. Minnows or, yeah. <laughs> what are you what are you fishing for there, bud? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that could have gone way worse. But it, luckily, every gas station in Wisconsin sells bait too. So I went, a, yes. you know, quarter yeah. mile down the road, and I got what I needed. So uh, there's a similar story of Jesus walking into a place where the record scratches. And there's this sort of like all eyes are on him and what in the world's going on. So uh, Luke 4 and verse 16, uh, it says, And he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him and he began to say to them, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. So Jesus is in a place where he is doing something that is out of the ordinary. Um, not out of the ordinary to read scripture, but definitely out of the ordinary to to read that scripture and to provide that kind of interpretation. And it would have been this situation where all eyes were on him, sort of, you know, who's that guy? Why is he walking into our private Sri Lankan club? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, a question comes to my mind, and I don't know the answer to it, is... Um... When somebody was in a synagogue and was presenting scripture, was the scripture determined ahead of time, or was it that they simply opened it up and started where they were? Um, I th I'm just curious about that. I yeah, don't know. and I've been researching that. There is some um, indication that 
at least on certain holy days, it would yes. have been liturgically set aside in a lectionary kind of situation where you had special scriptures. And one of the things that Jesus is doing here, and they, they make sure Luke points it out, um, he says, he enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. So Jesus yeah. is quite intentionally choosing that. Yeah. Um, so whether or not that was the reading for the day, we know that Jesus is going, oh, here it is. Okay. And then, yeah. you know, and so it is quite his choice. So that yeah. would have been scratching the record some, like, okay, why is he reading from there? You know, where is this coming mm. from? Um, yeah. And, and two, knowing who he is, it didn't take him long to find that passage. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, was, I, mean, I mean, think about it. From their perspective, they're sitting there, and he's unrolling the scroll, and he just stops. Like you said, scrolls down that page and starts right there. Yeah. That had to have been impactful. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And that was a ceremonial thing. I mean, there was a special sort of um, pointer that you used to find the right scripture and that kind of thing. It wasn't like thumbing through a Gideon and being like, oh, where's chapter 61? You know, like, so. And um, also, Josh, they had, uh, in every synagogue, they had a stone that they would place the scroll on. It had it had two indents for the two sides of the scroll so that you could turn to where you needed to go to. And the, and the, and the, the uh, rock was kind of angled up toward um, the, the audience, I guess you would say, but it pointed toward Jerusalem. So that whenever you're wow. reading the scroll, you were pointing toward the temple. Interesting. Yeah, so every detail, as we see in all these stories, every detail has a, has yeah. a certain a meaning, a backstory to it. So this passage is often subtitled as Jesus' Rejection at Nazareth, um, but it is not right away. You know, it says, all spoke well of him and and marveled at the gracious works he was doing. And Jesus is touring through the synagogues. That's the context of this. And people are getting excited about what he's saying. Um, and part of that being that it is so peculiar. So it's not, it's, it hasn't taken a dark tone yet. Um, but it is, it is definitely um, out of the ordinary. So Jesus talks about that now. All that to say, what he read there was out of Isaiah 61 um, and 58. It's it's kind of an amalgam of those together um, and untangling exactly what verse goes where and why Jesus paraphrased it the way he did is, is again, a whole other podcast. Um, but Jesus is talking about, uh, he uses the word for proclaiming release to those in bondage and directly invokes Leviticus 25, the year of Jubilee. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So, so the year of jubilee was this. Um, it was. I mean, the sevens were a big deal. Yeah, the seventh day was the Sabbath. The seventh year was a uh, release year of some kind, and then you had every forty ninth year, the seventh of the sevens, um, that was the year of jubilee, which which would be a release of debt, uh, release of slaves, slaves who were in slaves of debt, indentured servants, um, and. Release, I believe that was a release of the land, even to keep the land, let the land heal, um, right without cultivating. Right, they it. were not to, uh, they were not to go out and harvest, um, but they were they were to go out and just take, take what God had harvested for them. So mm -hmm. it was a year of rest, and actually it was the fiftieth year. So there, okay. there'd be seven series of seven years, 
that take you that year 49 and then it would have been the 50th year and then they would have started over on their seven year process again okay so yeah it's, it's interesting because um there it's 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 a time of personal liberty these the slaves in the time of israel we had we had touched on this in a previous uh podcast but the slaves were slaves because they were usually indebted and so they sold themselves to a master so to pay off that debt and so what the year of jubilee did is that even if the debt is not paid off they are free mm. right mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. because they weren't the israelites were not going out and getting slaves from other areas as as we saw slavery years later well this and is it, yeah and at that point they're not a they're not particularly a conquering people um, right exactly they would they right. would clear the land they would not keep the people and enslave them like every other tribe everywhere um, yeah yeah so and so also as you mentioned restitution of land so if you had sold your land for some reason because you needed the money or something now it had to go back to the original owner and uh if you go back to a podcast we did on um the patriarch the patriarch was probably the one who would would have paid that debt for them mm-hmm. so this is a matter of of keeping things within a family, within a tribe, within a nation, so that you don't have this long period of time where it just, in other words, it's designed that God says, this is designed for everything to be restored mm-hmm. to, to the right. way I intended it. And Jesus seems to be applying, obviously applying this to himself. Um, yeah, and imagine a, that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Applying a, a year of Jubilee understanding to who he is. Um, and oh, and one so, more thing, Josh. Mm-hmm. Do you realize that there is nothing in history that ever indicates that the Israelites ever practiced a Jubilee year? That is fascinating to me. Yeah, yeah um, they've gone back and they've, they've tried to find it and they've never found... An, in, in like Jose- Josephus or any of these other ancient manuscripts they've not found um, that I'm aware of. I mean, it may have happened since I, I was aware of it, but that's, yeah, I find that fascinating. Yeah, and I've, I've heard that before too. I think it's really interesting that the Jubilee year um, was like a lot of a lot of things, especially in the history of Israel, was a uh, promise unfulfilled. Kind of like something we can wait for and sing about and 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 pray about and and look forward to, but we never quite get there. It's like the promised land, where they get to the promised land yeah. and they're exiled and then they're exiled and then they're exiled, and you know it's always you know remember when we were in the promised land or when we get to the promised land. Um, yeah. and Jesus, in, in a sense, says the promised land is here, and it's yeah. me, and the year of jubilee is here, and it's me. Yeah. Um. So and it starts at the fringes with the blind and the enslaved and all those who have no power. Um and he starts sort of from the bottom up, which is which is again, you know, classic Jesus, um, not classic society at the time. Um, yeah. Although they liked it, you know, they were like, Oh, that's pretty cool. You know, you you're starting at the fringes. I I love that, you know, and and that's well within the Old Testament tradition. Maybe not well within the way humanity acted, but yeah. well within the rhetoric of the tradition is is, you know, we're going to we're going to help the poor, we're going to help the marginalized, we're going to lift up those who can't lift themselves up. Um and so they everybody's kind of nodding and kind of giving the old amen, you know. Um but then Jesus of course goes and gets himself in real trouble. <laughs> if we pick up again where we're reading here and he says 
And he said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard you did in Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. Pause there for a second, um, because this is interesting. I've This particular chunk of the passage I've always found hard to follow. But essentially, Jesus is saying, like, you're going to say to me, do what you did in the other place. <laughs> do one of those yeah. for us. Like, we want a fireworks show. Please bring it here. Um, yeah. And do it, and especially do it, do it in your hometown, man. I mean, you know, get, bring it home, you know, bring it home yeah. if this is so great. So, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? And he said, truly, I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his hometown. Uh, scratch the record right there. But in truth, I tell you, there are many widow, were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath the, in the land of Sidon to a woman who was a widow. And there were many leopards, lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all the synagogues were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove out of the town, drove him out of the town, and brought him to the brow of a hill on which your town was built, so they could throw him off the cliff. And passing through their midst, he went away. So, we're talking about the widow uh, in the land of Sidon and Naaman the Syrian. And what do these two people have in common? Well, Josh, this is fascinating. Um, I can't tell you how many times I've read this passage of Scripture, and I thought they got upset because Jesus was saying that he was ushering in the Jubilee, which meant that he was giving more to himself than they anticipated. But I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think where you're going is that um, these two people are not Israelites. Right. They're Gentiles. Yes. And I, I, I think that's fascinating here is, is so the people, the people he's speaking to, you know, a minute and a half before <laughs> were all excited because yeah. they had a prophet and they had a homeboy. I mean, a homeboy like, yeah. so Appleton, uh, where I live, Appleton, Wisconsin, nobody's jealous of that, but that is where I live. Um, Houdini is from Appleton. <clears throat> yeah. And. And so that's, you know, as we always say, Houdini was from Appleton, but then he escaped. Um, <laughs> so, no, yeah, a little, little, no pun intended there. Zing! Um, <laughs> but we, ha we have a homeboy, you know, we is this not Joseph's son? You know, is this not, yeah. um, is this not Houdini? You know, we have Houdini Elementary School and everything else. So they, they had one. They had a live one on the line. You know, they were, they really um, had... You know, they had this claim to fame, and then Jesus immediately undercuts it. He was like, well, you know, I never want to, you know, what I do won't work here anyway. <laughs> I can't do you that know, for you. You know, what's fascinating is, is that phrase, isn't this Joseph's son? So, so I mean, you've taught me something significant here. This kind of goes back into what is the context and, and how many times you read it in the wrong context. Because I always read that as, um, and I see that I'm wrong now. But I read that as, oh, come on, he can't be anything. He's just simply Joseph's son. Yeah. But I, but, but that does not take into account what you said, which are pointing. All spoke well of him, and marveled at the gracious words, 
is this not Joseph's son? This is amazing. So you're absolutely right there, Josh. That's yeah. that's huge. Yeah, I, I, I hadn't thought of it that way either. And I think there's another place where it is uh, more negative. Um, yes, but, nothing good comes from Nazareth. Right, right. And here, here it is. Yeah, isn't this isn't this Joseph and Mary's boy? I mean, we know him. You know, I yeah. went to elementary school with that guy. You know, like <laughs> um, ha- this is amazing. But yet, then he fully scratches the record and fully throws everything off and talks about God starting on the fringes. But then, when he pushes the fringes out to Gentiles, then he's in trouble. Yeah, and why would we want to help them? Yeah, and it it is amazing when God when God pushes our fringes out much further than we're used to or comfortable with, um, and puts us in those situations where we have to we have to care for someone who we don't think maybe deserves it, um, and or we just don't think is is within within the realm of his maybe and we don't maybe think that in a in an abstract way but we we think of them like i have a i have a friend who comes to our homeless meal at church and um this is a a trans person uh who the trans thing you wouldn't know other than the fact there's women's clothing and and everything else but there's stubble and there's chest hair and you know everything and it's just like, but this is someone that God has put in my path. Um, yeah. And to me, it's it's I don't I don't approve of that lifestyle. I don't approve of those lifestyle choices. I can see how it's troubling this person very much. Um, yeah. But at the same time, you know, like, so, you know, not to not to toot my own horn, but I at least have to let everybody know I have a horn. Um, yeah. <laughs> And I use her pronouns, um, and I saw asleep in a doorway um, in an alley that I walk through regularly, and I I left I left a coffee for her in the morning because I know she has no money, and it's behind a coffee shop. So I I left a coffee, wrote a note, "Good morning, Erica, from Pastor Josh." Um, and there there where she was asleep. I'm not gonna wake her up and say, "Hey, why are you outside?" Yeah. Well, they, yeah, there's a reason for that, um, and. In that moment, though, I'm like, this is it. This is it. This is out past the fringes. Um, Jesus is even further past the fringes. Um, yeah, it's, it seems like, Josh, it seems like this whole thing is that he's saying, you are invited to the Jubilee. Hmm. In other words, you are invited to this time when when restoration occurs, when the land is restored, when property is restored, when people are restored to their original family, um, when debts are paid off, you, you know, is invited to the Jubilee. Mm. And and God gives you an opportunity to participate with him in inviting her to that Jubilee. And I don't know, I think, I think my perspective on what you've just shared, and I think it's profound, is that I think Jesus is saying that he is our Jubilee. Amen. Pax Humana. Cheers.